What's good, listeners? Carrie Jr. II here, and you're listening to On the Line, a weekly news podcast by the Detroit Free Press. And I have a request. Right now, I need you to open up your favorite podcast app. That could be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen. Then hit subscribe. That way you'll stay up to date on our latest episodes. Uh, thanks so much for your support, and don't forget to share it with your friends and fam. All right, let's jump into this week's episode. In January, he will make history again by being the second longest serving mayor in Detroit This past Tuesday was election day in the D and the metro area. Mayors got elected and re-elected across Wayne, Macomb, and Oakland counties. Several cities for the first time chose Arab American leaders to take the helm. Well, Hamtramck has just made history by electing the first Yemeni American mayor in the, in the United States of America. And residents had their say on proposals on a reparations task force, decriminalizing certain drugs, and the controversial move of a war memorial. And the free press was there for all of it. Uh, Exhausted might be the right term, I think, but I appreciate the... (laughs) I bet, I bet. Okay, I'll, I'll keep this quick. So this week, we're speaking to four Free Press reporters who've been on the run covering races across three counties. We're diving into the results throughout Metro Detroit and what the ballots cast Tuesday will mean for the future of our city and region. This is On The Line. First up, we're speaking with Free Press reporter Neeraj Wariku, who was keeping his eye on a couple specific races out of Wayne County. Did anything stand out in particular from the results of Tuesday night? In three cities in Metro Detroit, Hamtramck, Dearborn, and Dearborn Heights, voters elect for the first time mayors who are of Arab descent and also Muslim. So you have Hamtramck uh, has elected an immigrant from Yemen, uh, Amr Ghalib, a healthcare worker. Uh, in Dearborn Heights, voters elected Bill Bazzi, an engineer who was uh, also a veteran of the U.S. Marines. And in Dearborn, which is the biggest of the three cities, voters uh, elected a 31-year-old state representative, Abdullah Hamoud, to be their mayor. And what were the scenes like post-election? What did you hear from people and the sounds, the sights, feelings? A Detroit Free Press photographer, Mandy Wright, was at the scene in Hamtramck. Uh, she described scenes of jubilation. <laughs> people were mobbing Amr Ghalib to take photos, um, a lot of shouting out and joy. Uh, confetti was thrown. 68% of the votes went to uh, Dr. Amir Gallup. And it was especially uh, an emotional moment for the Yemeni-American community. Uh, Amir Gallup is an immigrant from Yemen, um, and the community is more on the margins compared to other uh, parts of the Middle Eastern community in terms of having lower incomes. Um, in Dearborn, there was also uh, a lot of jubilation. Please join me in welcoming Abdullah Hamoud, the next mayor of Dearborn! 
people were chanting Abdullah, Abdullah. Uh, and he gave an emotional speech that was broadcast online about how today means that people who have faced discrimination can feel good to know that America is your country just as it is for everyone else. It is here in Dearborn where we believe that you need not change your name nor your faith. That in this town we elect you based on the direction in which you lead, no matter the direction in which you pray. Dearborn also happens to have, ironically, a racist past in terms of its leadership. The longtime mayor, Oral Hubbard, was known for being uh, bigoted against a range of groups, uh, especially African-Americans as well as Arab-Americans. And then the previous mayor, Michael Guido, uh, was also known for making times inflammatory comments towards Arab-Americans. So to have someone who's the son of Arab-Americans uh, now lead the city, uh, it's pretty extraordinary. In Hamtramck, you're going to have for the first time an all-Muslim city council. So all six members of the city council will be Muslim and the mayor will be Muslim. Um, and I believe it's the first city in the country to have that. Um, I can't say with 100% certainty, but based on what people are telling me, um, there's no other city council where all the members are Muslim and the mayor too. Um, in Dearborn Heights, uh, you'll now have, um, I believe, three people on city council who are Arab American, uh, but they're not a majority yet. What can we take from the results of this election? What sort of direction uh, does it take the cities in? Well, I think it shows the changing demographics of the region. Um, the three cities that I mentioned, Dearborn, Dearborn Heights, and Hamtramck, have all had growing population over the past decade, and that's because of the immigrant community. Um, and also in other cities, you saw strong performances by other groups. Uh, the other thing is it shows also the growth of minorities in the suburbs. When people mm -hmm. talk about minorities, they talk about Detroit. Um, in Harper Woods, uh, voters elected for the first time a mayor who was African-American. You know, that city has gone from 20 years to 10% uh, black to about two-thirds black. So you're seeing a lot of suburban growth uh, in the minority populations. Oakland County also saw some shakeups. Reporter Bill Leitner walked us through some of those. Bill, let's start with Taylor, Michigan. There's some extra context surrounding uh, this past election. That's an understatement, Kerry. The mayor, Rick Sollers, was indicted two years ago on a charge of bribery conspiracy, along with other officials and a real estate developer named Shadi Awad. Uh, there was just no question that uh, he was going to have a serious difficulty in getting reelected, and, and then he made it even harder because... Just as the Pontiac mayor did, uh, he failed to um, uh, file uh, the correct uh, campaign finance reports and pay some of the uh, back uh, the late fees and and penalties. So uh, Mayor Sollers was um, not allowed on the ballot in the primary, ran a a write-in campaign came in fourth, and the two top vote-getters ran on the ballot. But he ran another write-in campaign. Uh, Tim Woolley, the uh, current city council chairman, won Tuesday's general election in, for mayor very decisively. He outpolled uh, Alex Garza, state representative. 
Let's switch gears to Royal Oak. What was on their ballot? Well, on the ballot was really uh, five incumbents, including the mayor, and they were opposed by five newcomers who've never held office. The newcomers coalesced around a ballot question. They were demanding that the city move the war memorial back to where it had been. Uh, The city had moved it all of 68 feet as part of the redesign of the uh, surroundings that were becoming a downtown park. So out of the woodwork came the commander of the uh, American Legion post in Royal Oak, Tom Roth, to run for mayor. It's clear that to move it, even in the protected space, it still had to go to the vote of the people. Ultimately, Roth lost, and Mayor Mike Fournier retained his seat, along with all the other commissioners. And the ballot measure failed. Let's move on to to Pontiac. Uh, What was notable on that ballot? Well, Pontiac has struggled, and the incumbent mayor... Uh, was finishing her second term, Deidre Waterman failed to file all of the campaign finance reports that were required of her and uh, failed to pay some late fees. So she was not allowed on the the ballot in the August primary. She ran a vigorous write-in campaign and lost. uh, And former state rep and former county commissioner, Tim Grimal, He won uh, very decisively in a community that is 62% black, 20% white, 20% Hispanic, approximately. And um, he defeated an African-American female. And he will have an almost completely new council. I mean, just an amazing sweep. Fantastic. Thank you, Bill, so much. We appreciate you taking the time. Please get some rest, sir. Okay, take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. After the break, we'll head out to Macomb County and then come back to the D. I'm Alyssa Robinson for the Detroit Free Press. When you wake up every morning, what's the first thing you do? Check your email? Me too. And when you sign up for our daily briefing newsletter, you'll get all the latest news sent directly to your inbox so you can wake up and be ready for the day. We also have newsletters about COVID-19 in Michigan, the latest entertainment headlines, as well as Woodward 248, a newsletter specifically for people living and working in Southeast Oakland County. And don't forget about automotive headlines and all the latest news from our Michigan sports teams. We have a news Letter for every personality and preference. Just head to freep.com forward slash newsletters to sign up for any one of these great options and more. And we're back. Out of Macomb County, Sterling Heights did not see a ton of changeover. But reporter Christina Hall tells us that too is interesting in terms of national politics becoming local. Uh, what was notable in that race and, and what were the results? For folks that do not know, it's the uh uh, state's fourth largest city. They have more than 132,000 residents. So they had their mayor and all of their council, six members, uh, all were seeking re-election. And the incumbent mayor, Michael Taylor, and all of the incumbent city council members appear to have won their races um, from the unofficial results I saw on the Macomb County website. 
What does that say about the the residents of Sterling Heights and, and what they believe of their um, municipal government? You know, it's always interesting in Macomb County, uh, the politics there. Um, it's the home of the so-called Reagan Democrats, the home of the so-called Reagan Democrats. And last year, in last year's election in November, uh, the Republican Party tightened its grip on the county, which has traditionally been a blue-collar county. Taylor's um, opponent was uh, considering himself a, a conservative, and he at some point uh, this week had said on a Facebook post that I saw that he was reinforcing his support for five conservative candidates for city council. The mayor there, Mike Taylor, he caught some national attention last year when he crossed party lines. He's a, been a lifelong Republican, but he crossed party lines and voted for Biden. So uh, the city and, the, and parts of the county are always very interesting to see where they may um, sway politically. And last but obviously not least, you know we got to bring it back to the D. Reporter Dana Afana walked us through what happened and what it all means. What were some of the major roles on the ballot in Detroit, and were there any surprises? Sure. So obviously, the race for mayor is always one of the major roles. Um, but Mayor Mike Duggan, who's the incumbent, overwhelmingly swept the race and the August primary against his challenger, Anthony Adams, who is the Detroit attorney. We are on track for another record of 77 percent. But what makes this significant is that he has become the second longest serving mayor in Detroit ever since the city moved to four term mayoral administrations. Well, thank you, Detroit. Uh, Eight years ago, you took a chance on me. And he comes after Coleman Young. He had a party at an art gallery in Midtown. It was a very lively environment. They had a big TV screen showing results of the race. And, you know, he came in with his crowd at about 10 p.m. If you're still in a house with white, we are going to get there in the next four years. And he made a promise to remove all blighted homes in Detroit in this next mayoral term. It's a very ambitious promise that he made for, you know, to rehab the homes that can be fixed. Every single house is either going to be occupied or it's going to come down. We are going to remove white. And he talked a little bit about, you know, the investigation that's going on in City Hall. He's blamed towing for that and promises to overhaul the city's towing practices. He really touched on beautifying Detroit as well. That's something that has been his platform this throughout this election cycle. Other roles that I would say are pretty are pretty notable uh, was the city council at large race. That one was, you know, sort of the biggest surprise, not necessarily because of who won, but because Councilwoman Janae Ayers, who is the incumbent, was the top vote getter in the primary election. And she actually lost to Mary Waters. Coleman Young Jr. secured the lead this time in this election. In the primary, he came second. So that, I would say, is one of the biggest shocks. But I think, you know, that has in part to do with the fact that, you know, a cloud really fell over the city after two council members faced corruption charges and had to resign. And then there are other two, two other council members under federal investigation, you know, Janae Ayers being one who has not been charged to make that clear. But I think that investigation particularly affected Councilwoman Ayers. That was one notable moment of the night. 
And then, you know, there are other areas of city council where, you know, an incumbent, Roy McAllister, lost his seat to Angela Calloway. And I think some people were pretty shocked about that. Can you talk about the ballot proposals briefly? What were they and what did the voters decide? And what does that ultimately mean for the city? Sure. So uh, proposal R uh, is to create a task force on reparations that was spearheaded by council member Mary Sheffield. And so it'll ultimately be up to the people who run the task force, and it will be a volunteer-based position to make any sort of housing or economic development recommendations to address any sort of historical discrimination against Detroit's Black community. Um, The other ballot proposal, Proposal E, which also passed, is to decriminalize the possession or therapeutic use of entheogenic plants. And so that means things like magic mushrooms. And the third proposal, which was Proposal S, uh, it lost not by much, uh, but to put it simply, that would have amended a section of the city's governing document, the city charter, to allow more citizen control over city spending. So that didn't go through, but it was a pretty close race, I think. What was the overall turnout of voters this year? It's just over 18%, which for the general election, that is pretty low considering Detroit has, you know, more than 500,000 registered voters. It just goes back to voter apathy. People feel like, you know, they're not being looked out for. And I followed some candidates knocking doors, heard what some residents had to say, heard what they had to say themselves. I think, you know, the city hall corruption lately has really exhausted people as well. But also this is a municipal election. And so just looking forward, what can we take from the results of this election? That's an interesting question. Um, I think it means, you know, new leadership reflecting their communities here and in surrounding cities. What's unique here is that we have three council members who were formerly in the state legislature. And so those three know you know, how to secure funds and what to do, you know, to provide resources for Detroiters. And then you have a lot of other candidates who, you know, very passionate about their platforms, but time will really tell whether these candidates actually move forward with their promises. But I think that just the fact, the mere fact that Detroiters now have slightly more representation, specifically in Districts 4 and District 7, which were Andre Spivey and Gabe Leland's district, I think that'll do a number for them. And, you know, typically when a seat is vacated, and of course they resign due to charges, public corruption charges, um, those vac- vacant seats are represented by the at-large candidates, so uh, or at-large council members, excuse me. And so while they had some form of representation, People told me that it's not the same for their constituents. Um, They feel like they need someone dedicated to them and only to them. Thank you, Dana, for giving us this information. And I'm sure it was late night. I don't want to keep you any longer. Uh, Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. For complete coverage of Metro Detroit elections, including Macomb's state Senate seat, the Detroit Police Commissioner spots, and Birmingham leadership, be sure to check out Freep.com. This episode was produced by me and Darcy Moran with help from Tad Davis. Anjanette Delgado and Marianne Struman are our executive producers. 
and Peter Batia is our editor. The music for the show is called Fort Trumbull and was produced by DJ Lost Boy. Thanks for listening. And if you like the show, leave a rating and subscribe. It really makes a difference. We'll see you next week.